Imagine Freedom is brought to you by the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center in Tallahassee, Florida. If you suspect trafficking or need help, call the National Human Trafficking Hotline 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at 1-888-373-7888 or visit humantraffickinghotline.org. This episode may contain content related to human trafficking and trauma that is sensitive to some ears. I'm Robin Hassler-Thompson, the Executive Director of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center, and it's my pleasure to host these important discussions with survivors of human trafficking. Their insights help all of us to fortify our communities against the often misunderstood realities of sex and labor trafficking. Please join us as we listen to what they have to say so that we can imagine freedom as a reality for all. In this episode, we imagine freedom with Samir Jain. Samir is a survivor of labor trafficking. He's also an immigrant who the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center had the honor of working with when he and his family came to Tallahassee after he was trafficked. Samir is a compelling and thoughtful person. He reflects deeply and in a common sense way about how our systems need to look at this issue of human trafficking differently and what we as individuals can do to help so that, as he says, even one person can realize that what is happening to them is wrong and that there is help. Samir is also a great public policy thinker, and we talk about what elected leaders and us as regular people can do at the national, state, and local levels to make a difference. And by the way, this podcast is not the only place that Samir is speaking out. The U.S. Department of Justice has invited him to speak, and he is on a prestigious National Human Trafficking Survivor Council. Samir also helps us to see how people in the private sector need to be educated about this topic and take immediate action. Here's our conversation. I'm an immigrant. I'm from India, and uh, I came to the United States around five years ago, maybe five and a half years ago. And... Yes, as you have heard or everybody here, a native, like, to seek the American dream, as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, currently, I serve as a council uh, member on uh, United States Advisory Council on Human Trafficking. It's a presidential appointee uh, position, and I'm one of the member. And uh, one thing more I would like to say is, the views that I'll be expressing over here are my individual view, and that does not represent what the council thinks of or what council is working on. So it's yes. purely individual. <laughs> it's all you. And let me just say, what a huge honor that is, and and how lucky they are to have you with your voice and your point of view and your experiences that you can offer to that very high-level advisory body. So congratulations to you and congratulations to them that they have you. Well, I thank you. And one thing I would like to say over here, uh, such kind of thing happens over here in America. Usually you don't see this kind of thing or people addressing such issue in such manner. Mm-hmm. You don't see anywhere across the world. There are a lot of problems. I do agree. But then the way we address problem in this country is totally different, totally out of the way. You won't see me doing this stuff back in India or anywhere else. Is is that because, you know, I know you you have spoken on on a program for the Department of Justice, I think, and you were very open and, and critical, really, about some of the things that happened. Is that what you mean by you wouldn't see an advisory body that would want to expose some of the cracks in the system, wouldn't be trying to improve? Is is that what you're getting, or is something else? No, that's very correct, because uh, the department, so the system over here is open for feedbacks, first of all. How would you address a problem when you don't accept a problem? So they accept the problem. That's the big thing. In most of the other part of the world, they won't even accept the problem, that this is a problem. Well, that makes me think again, you know, your perspective of being here, being an immigrant brings um, to our country a perspective that will help other people, will help people know. And also, you know, you're here to 
um, lend the wisdom of your experience. I, I like that they have this council because if you're working on an issue, the thing you should do is talk to the people who have lived it and who have the experience and then can articulate going forward. But before we go more on that, I would love to know more about you um, now. You're married, and uh, you you live here in Tallahassee, right? I do. I do. So yeah. um, I'm married. It's gonna be. I would say I'm born married. <laughs> so it has been 20 years, more right. than 20 years. Um, I have a teen son who is around 20. Um, I live in Tallahassee. I work uh, with Department of Correction over here in Tallahassee into contract position. And uh, in my career, I wear various hats. I've been manufacturer for a big part of my life. I've been to customer services. I've been as a business development manager. I've been into recruiting, restaurant, mm -hmm. just to say a few. But finally, I'm an accountant. <laughs> and you're an accountant. So so you do that very important work that uh, some of us who aren't as adept in math can't do. And we're so glad you're out there doing it. So so that's great. So you have a lot of background in um, in the business world. And and your skills now are being used in a great way, I'm sure, to help the state of, of Florida. So thank you for that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this issue. The reason that we know you is that at one point in your coming to Tallahassee, we found out about you. You found out about the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center and we started to walk alongside you. Uh, what is there anything you want to share about that? What about that experience and and what happened? What was helpful? What was not helpful in your coming to Tallahassee? So initially, when I started this journey coming to Tallahassee, I was my all hopes was lost. To be as honest as all I was thinking, okay. Let me go back to my country. That's mm. fine. Um, there's nothing. And, you know, there are some parallels that I would draw uh, regarding the system and everything. And then stack came into the picture. Typically, I would say it handholded me. And from a position where I was seeking help, they have made that I'm ready to help out others. So that's a transformation from a pardon of the strata of the society. Now, I'm sitting here talking to you. Uh, it, it couldn't be possible without help from staff, as simple as that. That is so wonderful to hear. And it's really an honor to be able to have walked with you like that and, and to also connect with other members of our community, like uh, Legal Services of North Florida, right? Yes, uh, there are so many unsung heroes in this uh, path that I have met that nobody knows about. And uh, first of all, I would like to shout out Vanya. I never get to ch say thanks to her personally again. She's the one who starts the ball rolling. <laughs> as simple as that. Uh, then not. And, and I should say Vanya is with the Human Rights Center at Florida State University, and That's one of Stack's closest partners. Yes. yes. Unfortunately, I was not able to meet her again. She's the one. She's the catalyst who started everything, and she's the one who heard me, you know, for more than two hours. Mm -hmm. And she got to know what things are, how things are going on. She was the one. I would like to talk about North Florida legal services. They are amazing people. Rebecca Zoller mm -hmm. and Daniela. Oh, my God. They took me, again, you know, charted the complexity of immigration. If you talk about immigration, you know, maths, immigration is way tougher than maths. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's such a specialized area of the law. And it's really good to mention, too, how there might be Lawyers who, if somebody is listening, for example, right now, they say, oh, I can help you with your, your immigration. No, no, no. It no. is highly specialized. And as a lawyer, I can tell you, I, I, I don't even know where to begin, but they do. They do. It's such a complexity. And, you know, the dedication, the way they work, oh, I would say I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Rebecca and Daniel, both of them work so hard and with 
so precision, I would say, mm-hmm. that requires an immigration. It's not an easy job, let me tell you. And and we should say, and you may not know this, but we all were clapping and even in tears when we found out that you got your T visa, right? I, that- I was shocked. I was shocked. Uh, let me tell you, because I was into recruitment and business development manager, so I myself would handle application of H-1Bs. Mm-hmm. So I know what visa is. And when I got that stuff, uh, when I got T-Visa, this is, uh, you know, very special category visa. Mm-hmm. I think so maybe in a year, 2,000, 2,500 visas are only given. So under unless the government is not sure, 110% that this is what is right, they won't give you the visa. That's right. You know, they're... And, and just for people listening, you should know that a T visa is a visa that the U.S. government gives to support someone who is a victim of human trafficking, as they call it. Yourself, a survivor of trafficking, of labor trafficking, they determined that, yes, this is the case, and you got that special permission and to be here and to work and to live and to essentially start a new life. Yes, um, I would like to also say U visa is also in that. I recently yes. came to know about that. Mm-hmm. So these visas are created so that the survivors can help uh, the law enforcement agencies to do their work, to do their due diligence, to go after the perpetrators and the traffickers. And, uh, well, I never knew about the U visa. So, yes, I got T visa. It is a shocking news. And... I would again say thank you. Thank you all. And one more important person I forgot to mention, Graciela. Mm-hmm. She was, she would call me almost every week. Samir, you're okay. Family is okay. She checked upon me like almost every day. She was so concerned about our safety, about our well-being, about the education of my kid. You know, that's kind of a motherly love that I feel from her. <laughs> well, that's so great. I can't wait till she hears this because, yes, Graciela is Stack's community services advocate, and she has a wealth of experience and knowledge and a very special skill. Um, so we're so glad that that she was able to be there for you in that way and for your family. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about sort of – you know, you, you're different from anyone I've ever met because you take your own experience and you think about what, what that experience can uh, do to help the world do better around trafficking. You know, um, so why don't we talk a little bit about um, any of the policy issues that you have come forward with. Like we had lunch and you were telling me how the restaurant, the employer that trafficked you had actually applied again to bring more people to this country. And the very government agency that said, yes, Samir was trafficked by this employer, is still giving that employer the permission to bring more people into this country. Yeah, this is a strange thing. And... uh I had so many conversations around this. First of all, the reason is me coming forward is uh, the background. Uh, from India, I'm a, I'm not, I'm from a well-to-do family. I'm not saying that uh, I was struggling over there. Uh, but I have seen so many fellow countrymen who struggles a lot. And these traffickers take you know, their vulnerability and they play with them. I know people, I know a girl who takes care of family of five and she struggles a lot. She have, she beard a lot, but then, you know, it's so hard on her. I don't want anybody to face this issue. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to give my face, my name to this particular, uh, I would say, process or name to this thing so that people can know me and they can really understand what trafficking is. And they might say, this is me. They might be able to identify because one of the things we find all the time is that sometimes someone does who might be 
actually being sex or labor trafficked doesn't realize it's happening to them. No, they don't. Even I didn't. As simple as that, you know, what I thought was a fraud to me. Somebody cheated me. But what has happened that I work relentlessly without being paid. My wife worked without being paid relentlessly. And somebody was profiting from me. Uh, there were threats. There was coercion. And let me tell you, there need not be any physical uh, violence also needed. All you need is to groom and mentally play to make sure that your victims lay low. They don't speak up. And this is the new way of things. Nowadays, uh, if you somebody say picking up kids from the street and keeping people in chains and locks, it's a redundant idea. Mm-hmm. The new fashion, I would say, is grooming. Grooming. And, and you said you were groomed so... You know, a couple of the podcasts that we've done talks about how how you know young girls in the in the cases of the people who have been on our podcast already were groomed, but the traffickers are very clever, aren't they? Because because the trafficker for for you groomed you in a way I hadn't heard before. What was the what 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 did what did he do? So when I say you know, remember when we started this postcard American Dream. So this was my grooming, uh, what would I punchline? You know, life is good. Your son's going to have a good life. The environment is clean. It's fresh. You know, India is a third world country. I, live, I come from New Delhi and poverty is there. Pollution is there. And my son has some of the health issues going over there because of the pollutions. And... Uh, there's so many people, a lot of struggle. And all I see, you know, he would groom me regarding American dream and regarding my son. And I took the bait. Well, you're a loving father. And all I wanted to give is a good life to my son. Because uh, I've already lived my half of my life when I moved over here. So there was no need for me as an individual to move over here. So this is what grooming is. And it's not a single day grooming. It takes years. So with the onset of social media, the borders, they do not, borders do not define anything. People groom their victims for years. They prey on them, and it's an ongoing process. It does not end with one of the victims. Mm-hmm. So they keep on doing with one and one and one, and they keep on, you know, plucking whosoever ripes, they pluck it out. You don't need borders. That's one of the craziest things. And, days. and you came to this country legally with a visa. That's correct. And a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, I came to the country on H-1B visa, which is a specialized visa. Only it is given to those people who have special skills. Mm-hmm. I'm educated. I'm graduating. So when people see, oh, people are in traffic, they are you know illiterate, they are poor. No, it can happen to anyone. Thank you for anyway. busting that myth. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. It's, it's as you said, there's a vulnerability. There's a vulnerability. Every human has his vulnerability. Uh, some has love, some has money, some has health, some has family, you know, all kind of vulnerability. Uh, all they need is tap that particular vulnerability and they ripe you. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, it was the Department of Labor that ended up giving the certification that you were indeed trafficked. And that same Department of Labor is in charge of a lot of these visas, right? Exactly. The problem with uh, policy is, first of all, most of the visa which are issued, work-related visa, I would say H-1B, H-2A, L-1s. So in this, your employer becomes your sponsor. However... The Department of Labor do not lay out policies regarding basic necessity, like what is the cost of living to live at a particular city? How much is the cost of insurance? You know, insurance is a big thing. That is the biggest portion in someone's salary or someone pay, I would say, to, you know, account for. They never do that. So say, for example, if they give somebody a visa, they just give on a basic salary. And I don't understand. That's why I say I was not supposed to be here at that salary. No, never. Mm-hmm. But I was promised salary. I was 
I was promised home. I was promised insurance. None of that came in. And those were all lies. That's part of what traffickers do, right? Yes. The department do not lay out any kind of policies or principle. When you get somebody from outside the country, everybody within the country knows how big that insurance thing is. And and really, if you don't have insurance, you're really almost making your that 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 is making you vulnerable again for when you get Correct. here and you can't survive on the if they even pay you what they yes. promised, which they usually do not. Um, you can't survive on that. So basically, the department made sure that we are dependent on Medicaid. You know, it's it's funny to hear, but let me give you an example. An insurance for a couple is is around fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred, twelve hundred, somewhere around that. When somebody is given a salary of forty k, they have to be at the insurance cost. They have to be at their rent plus their daily uh, expenses. How can somebody survive? Doesn't department labor know about those kind of cost calculation? Even if you calculate backwards, it doesn't make sense. They should not have allowed these things to happen. As simple as that. And so in this case, it's really the employer promises a certain salary. And before someone should be allowed to bring someone into the country, they need to, what you're saying, if I'm getting this right... They need to make sure that that person's basic needs are taken care of. Exactly. It's enough to cover the basic needs because exactly. if it's not, then, you know, then you're going to be vulnerable to another trafficker over here That's who's going to say, oh, I can help you with that. You can work for me and do something else. So it's really setting – it's very dangerous, isn't it? That's very true. And one of the thing, you know, I would say uh, our department, people working for the department – they are not trained. They are not well trained what trafficking is, what can constitute what is a trafficking. So I would say organizations like your stack can play a vital role in promoting such kind of training, not just on federal part, but on state part. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Food inspectors, they go all around, agree. If they are trained, they can identify what is happening, where it is happening. But if they are not even trained, they won't even notice. Uh, One of the previous podcasters said, your eyes won't see what your mind do not guess. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, and, and I'm so glad you are kind of making that leap. So the Department of Labor needs to be trained, all these people at the federal level, and then the state level. And then the local level. Exactly. And not just the government people, though. We've talked about how businesses, how restaurants, hotels, um, people who work at convenience stores, retail, hair salons, that that really this understanding of of what you you know what what you just said, which is my favorite thing, which I got from Graciela, the eyes will not see what the brain doesn't know. Exactly. And so, if you tell somebody, see something, say something. If you don't know what you're looking at, you can't say anything because you don't recognize it. And and we have a a training program called Stack Pro, as you know. And could you talk about what it, why that's important? Why is it important that even private businesses, not just people who have regulatory power. Why do private businesses also need to understand what labor trafficking, for example, looks like? So first of all, uh, I want local uh, officials, government or council or city officials to go with that training because they are the one who are present on the field. Federal officers are not, to be very honest. They would only come once you complain to them. So they need to, need to, need to know about it. Like hospitality is one of the biggest industry responsible for trafficking. And these people are on their foot. Now, regarding the businesses, the reason businesses is, first, whenever you go and prosecute them, they would say, innocence. They don't know what the trafficking is. And unfortunately, forced labor is considered as a civil matter, not as a criminal matter. Mm-hmm. That's the practical result because we don't see many criminal prosecutions. Even though the law's on the books, forced labor is a crime, 
but we just don't see, I know in our area, we just don't see prosecutions. Yes, so the prosecution is not there. There are several cases against it, that's all. And in these cases, the trafficker hide behind their corporates in the name of LLC. All you can do is, you know, get that LLC on the table and they would declare it bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You don't get a dime out of it, as simple as that. And the trafficker would start doing it again. Mm-hmm. Now, why I want businesses to be trained? First of all, they should not claim or they should not hide behind innocence. Like, say, for example, somebody is working in a restaurant. They are supposed to get safe, serve, certificate, if you know. Mm-hmm. That's so they, they are preparing food. So it's... Not so it's healthy, so it's not uh, you know German fested or <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. so that they know yeah. how to keep the food, how, what should be the temperature control, how to stock it up. Yeah, they cannot claim innocence. Oh, I don't know. And how you say is it done? no. You had the training, of course. You had you the know. training. Yeah. So in the similar way, when a trafficker been you know addressed and they cannot claim, I don't know, because they were mandatorily trained on what can constitute trafficking. What can constitute a labor exploitation? First of all, when the other businesses also get trained, they they might not be doing trafficking, but they can spread the awareness. Mm-hmm. They can spread the word. They should know what are the punitive measures that can be taken against them if they indulge in such things. So that's one of the reasons such training holds a key in prevention. Mm-hmm. Right, because they would be able to identify someone who maybe is being groomed and say, look, this is not legit What's what this person is telling you. This is what I see happening because this is what I've seen happen with other people. So they couldn't claim willful blindness. They couldn't exactly. they couldn't say they couldn't say, Oh, it's my defense that my head was in the sand. I don't understand what trafficking exactly. is. And then, you know, most of the business they hire contract. The contractor gets labor for them, mm-hmm. be it farm labor or labor for the hospitality. So if the owner of the business is aware what it is, even if the middleman tries to do some hanky-panky, they would be able to identify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a lot of times people do contracts and they say, oh, um, I'm going to I say I'm the business. I'm going to hire the, the lowest and best. And so if you see as an employer, as a corporation or as a business that you're getting a contract, you're getting someone bidding on that contract that is able to do it at such a low price, you've got to start looking behind that, right? How can they do this many hours of work for this much money without having some sort of, of you said hanky-panky, I would say, you know, fraud, trafficking, not paying minimum wage even, not paying what they're promised so that they can get that contract. Yeah, so they cannot, uh, that's where I want to make sure that they should be trained, they should take up the training. Say, for example, there are some minimum wages, add up the insurance cost, add up other costs. If somebody is bidding below that, obviously that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. Something is missing. You know, you're making me think now like, You said it before, but I want to go back to it, that really every local government official themselves should take a human trafficking course. In our our case, we're lucky enough to have had both the city of Tallahassee and Leon County fund the creation of the training program that's online, which we will put information about that in the show notes. Um, They need to be trained. But now I'm thinking every procurement officer, everyone who's looking at any contract from any business, risk managers and private businesses should be looking and getting trained, right? Yes. So um, I I don't know whether you know, like Florida has uh, a certified program of FCM, Florida Contract Manager. And uh, there are other such programs. If we can include such thing it would help spread the knowledge if a government employee knows what the trafficking is. They won't even indulge in somebody who is doing that stuff because they will be able to catch it right away. Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. is bidding low for their government contract. How do we know that 
somebody sweeping floors within the government offices is not traffic. Absolutely. I, you know? I, I've gotten calls well, years ago from the Department of Education. Somebody working late at midnight was looking at the cleaning crew and saying, I think these people are being trafficked. And because that person had had training on what it looks like, you know. Exactly. And so thank you. You know, that would be a great public service to have all of our governmental employees trained, as well as in the private sector. I always think about people who hire private security. I think about human resources, as well as internally procurement. Um, there could be any number of people within the private sector as well who would benefit from this, right? As I told you, trafficking is no longer people putting people in chains and locks. So to identify them, it's very hard, unless you don't even know what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So such training would impart, would give you that kind of perception to see, okay, that's not right, something is wrong, else you won't even able to you know, know that thing. The Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center, or STAC's mission, is to prevent, disrupt, and end sex and labor trafficking. STAC Pro is a free one-hour training that empowers businesses, workplaces, and employees with greater knowledge about how to prevent, recognize, and respond to proactively end human trafficking and protect the workplace and your bottom line. Demonstrate your commitment to supporting survivors and making your workplace and our community safer by participating in our free training certification program. Learn more at stackpro.org. Do you feel comfortable talking about, you know, during the time that you were being forced and coerced, were there opportunities that you wish somebody had known what to look for, um, what they might have seen was going on with you? Or yes, your wife, uh, and, and they could have maybe asked a couple questions or offered so, some help? So the thing is that I would first start with government. I should not be here. When somebody would say, see my pay package, back in India, you know, how would I know what the local laws are? Mm -hmm. I would, you know, in India still, things are taken by word. If you promise something, I would agree to that. Right. But the government over here, when they look at the pay package, how can they prove it? First, when the people, as I told you, the food inspector, all kind of inspectors and inspections comes into play, when they see people working like from morning to night, don't they have to see their salary? Nobody mm -hmm. sees their salary. Once they see the salary and they see oh, that many hours people are working, they were able to, you know, see, okay, something has started right. Second, there are so many private businesses who would visit on a regular basis. They would see you day and night. If they see you day and night, I have talked to so many people. So many people have asked me. And when they hear it, it feels like they say, okay, that's okay, fine. You're working, fine. That's normal. But if you are being trained, they can easily say, oh, that's not okay. You need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So if you said, you know, I haven't been paid in three weeks, a month, two months, somebody would say, that's not the laws in the United States. You know, exactly. these are, these laws, you're, you need to be paid. If you're working overtime, you need to be paid time and a half if the business, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, so there are people that, that we know might be right now walking into a kitchen or a hotel or construction site, and there might be people being trafficked there. Exactly. And mm. one more thing I would like to highlight over here, people think, oh, native who are here, the Americans, they make sure, they get people trafficked. Is it? No. Why would I trust an American? Mm -hmm. It was somebody from my own culture, own community, somebody who speaks my own language, mm -hmm. I will trust them. Mm -hmm. So in most of the cases, it's not some XYZ person who does trafficking. The enabler or the trafficker is known to their victims. Mm -hmm. Ex exactly. And, and also to understand that people of the same ethnic group, people of the same 
you know, have something in common. Exactly. As, again, that's part of the trafficker grooming and building trust. How would you groom if you don't know what your victim feels? Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. me. It's uh, somebody who's in America. They won't know how would an Indian feel. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. only somebody from India. They would know, okay, you know what? There is such, 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 such problems. Yes, there are. Oh, this is happening. I can give you a good life. You know, they can bank upon that. They know the vulnerability. A local one does not. Mm-hmm. And they can zero in on that vulnerability to exploit it further That's after great. they've built that trust. Wow. There's just there's just so much with this. Now, what what do you think? You said it earlier. If somebody is listening to this, you wanted to say, if if just one person hears what I'm saying, they might say, hey, this sounds like me in my situation. What should they do? What 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 do you think would be, you know, how can they safely, how can they how can they reflect on their situation and and make a make a move? So first of all, I would like to tell all of those people who are listening. I know it's good to be afraid. I know it's good to be scared. Your safety is the priority. First of all, call the helpline, the hotline, human trafficking hotline, first of all. That's 888-3737-888. Correct. Don't be afraid to call them up. When you go out, you see all the TVs and the media, they picture something different. Don't go by that word. One of the things that, you know, threatening thing is, I would not say the name, but my ex-employer would make sure that I watch some of the news from some of the televisions channels that would say the immigrants are being caught by ice, they have mm. been thrown out. All they need to see is that thing. Mm-hmm. When the families get separated, I was so scared that what would happen if I get separated from my son and my son would be living over there, I would be somewhere else, my wife would be somewhere else. I was so scared on that part. Mm-hmm. Is it true? No. So what you're saying, too, is that that's really that exploiting the vulnerability, what's happening to immigrants is is helping the trafficker to continue to traffic because they were using that to instill fear. Exactly. And to coerce you to not say anything, to not call the police or not reach out for any help. Because in most of the cases, as simple as the victim gets deported, the family gets separated, and the trafficker, they just sit there. Some punitive measure, and as I told you, if they are hide behind LLC, nothing goes out of their pocket. As simple as that. So most of these, like one of the proposals I have given is ICE especially should change their USB. And that's that's the uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. That's, a, that's correct. That's a branch of the Department of Homeland Security. Security. Right. We're going to make sure people who don't know the acronyms know what we're <laughs> talking true. about. That's I, true. I don't know most of them right <laughs> now. But, you know, when you hear ICE, in, when an immigrant hear ICE, all they would see here is they're catching people. They're putting people in jails. They're putting people in detention. The family gets separated. The kids are dying in detention. You know, this is what you see in the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and and it can happen. It that can a, happen. That a trafficking victim might have that happen to them. But, but what happened with you is you were able to connect with lawyers and people that could help you so that, that – there was a better chance, right, that you could be helped. So I was lucky enough that one of my relatives was here, and that's why I'm in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. He said simply, you know, this is America. This is not India. He helped me to escape, and then he gave me shelter. I stayed with him for seven months. And then he said, you know, do whatever you want, but at least stand for the truth. Fight against that man and make sure that no fellow countrymen get subjected to this. I cannot save all of life, but then if I'm able to save one, I think so my job is, you know, working ahead. And that's why, 
you know, he gave me support and I helped him out. And, you know, that's why training becomes so important. Doctors, mm-hmm. lawyers, those professional dentists, a human get trafficked, they will have some health problems. Teachers, they can see kids. So if they are able to have that training, they can identify, okay, this seems to be not right. Mm-hmm. They can also help them. Uh, in Tallahassee, we have two big hospitals, TMH and Capital Health. Why not their doctors go through this training? Their nurses go through this training. The nurses do. And, you know, a law passed several years ago that requires everybody um, who is a um, healthcare professional, everyone from, you know, physicians, EMTs, everybody to have at least one hour of human trafficking education. But it's one hour, one time in their whole career. And I think it should be bigger. And then I should be more often. Um, Nurses, two hours every licensure cycle. So nurses especially. I will say, too, I'd have to do another little policy thing for you. We talked about hospitality. You know, there's a law in Florida, and actually it just got beefed up again by the latest Florida legislature's um, bill that said if you are hotel housekeeping or front desk management, you have to be trained on trafficking. That's mandatory now. So that's good, right? And it says you can't you don't have a long grace period. You have to make sure if you're if you're inspected and they say you haven't done all these people haven't done training, they don't give them as long to complete that training. My beef has been why not have everyone in that hotel get trained? Why is it only housekeeping and front desk? It should be management, it should be people who do grounds maintenance. It should be anyone in that hotel and everyone in the restaurant. No one in the restaurant industry has mandatory training. Yeah, that's where I was saying the Mm -hmm. owners should get trained because they should understand what trafficking is, what are the punitive measures, because they hold the key. They are the one who who are responsible for it. It's not the bottom guy. It's Mm -hmm. not the front desk guy who, who would do trafficking. It's, it's the, the manager needs to It's the to manager understand. needs to understand. Yeah, yeah. They need to get trained. Friend as people, they can identify a possible victim. Yes. True. But what about the upper management who conduct these kind of things? Exactly. And that's why at the training that we have, the Stack Pro training, actually prescribes how you should have protocols, which – the lowest, you know, the person on, at the front desk or, or like you say, the small, you know, the, the lower in the organization status can't create new protocols for the organization, can't do any of that. So, yes, management needs to be trained. And, again, Stack Pro is free. It's online and you can do it anytime you want. And if you remember last time, Christabel, she was able to identify a girl while she was flying over here. Yes. I heard that particular, you know, thing, I don't know, maybe 10 times, you know, just to hear what she noticed, the grooming part, the tattoo part, the way people converse about the girl, the hair part. And such thing is not normal. Nobody would able to, you know, see those things unless they even know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how would you how would they know once they go with the training, once they say, okay, in training it is written that if you see a small girl, you see a tattoo, something drawn like a crown, something done with the hair, a girl spending so much amount of money, maybe it's not even hers. Somebody mm-hmm. is doing to her. Mm-hmm. You can really identify on those ground, isn't that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, no, exactly. And that's those are all those little pieces that, and you don't have to be 100% sure. Someone on a plane could say, I am thinking this might be, and you can make an anonymous call. You can get the ball rolling so that the professionals who know can take action. Cool. And if they're not trafficking somebody, then all the better, you know? You took, you did something. You didn't say, oh, you know, I'm sure it's not. No, that Christabel did something and that potentially saved somebody's life. I I would say, you know, prevention is always better than cure. 
Mm-hmm. So these are the preventive techniques. That's what training is all about. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 You got to stop it. You got to look up river and make sure that, you know, somebody is not getting traffic to begin with. That's, that's and, inf- right. and, you know, knowledge is power. Let's face it. Right. Knowledge that's is why power. we are conducting this uh, podcast so that people are getting aware of what's going on, how things are being done now. And the way society has evolved, evolved the technology has evolved. Human trafficking has also evolved into a different shape, manner that has not been known before. Mm-hmm. Especially with technology. You know, when we talked to um, the other day, you were talking about how there are so many cracks in the system that traffickers exploit. They don't, they don't just, they exploit the people and they also know where there are cracks in the system. Um, we've mentioned a couple today, and I just want to recommend to everybody to start to be alert. Um, know that traffickers are very clever. They're they're driven by greed and power, right? And so they're going to do their utmost to enhance their own profits, right? And, That's correct. Yeah. So, so we can talk maybe another time about more of those because I love hearing your thoughts and insights. But before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, is there anything else you would like to share with everybody about your experience, about this issue of human trafficking, or any other advice you'd give to people who might be or might have been trafficked? So first of all, I would like to talk to those people who are working in this domain. So first of all, I want the people who are working in this domain to look at the data. The data would give you all the numbers. So there is a report. I would share it with you. I do have a link written over here. Uh, It's a Google Drive. It's a huge report of almost 10 GB, which would give all the categories who are being trafficked, why they are being trafficked. So the top trafficking reasons, first, for minors are runaway kids, mm-hmm. foster home. When we say these things, there is something not right. So you can you know what is happening, so you can address those problems. For an adult, the most uh, reason that they get traffic is homelessness. Mm-hmm. So how to address that problem? For an immigrant, is the status of an immigrant. If they're out of status, they are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Very, very vulnerable, Vulnerable, yes. So in all these matters, you know where to look for the probable cause. Second, for somebody who is living in such condition, I would say keep that number handy. Don't be afraid of law enforcement authority, first of all. They are here to help you out. It's the same thing I was thinking. Don't look at the news. Take that number of hotline, call them up, redress your problem. If you cannot do it, ask somebody who can do it for you. And that could be someone perhaps at at your church or temple. It could be somebody when you go to a healthcare appointment, or it could be an organization like Stack. In exactly. your community, but to find out who that is. And one thing, you just brought up a question of church and temple. Religious institute plays a big part in, in humans' life. They should, should, should be trained. I would go to my temple hundreds of times. The local priest knows me, everything. If they were being trained, they can easily guide you. Mm-hmm. They can help you. Mm-hmm. But they are not being trained. Mm-hmm. He guessed it somehow, you know, but he was not trained, so he could not go that far of thinking. That's why I'm saying religious institute, everybody, be it a priest of church or temple or mass, they should not even allowed to preach unless they've been trained on that. I would say that. <laughs> that would be the Samir's rule. That's right. That's great. So um, I would all say seek help. There are tons of people outside. There is, um, I would say, ecology of people who are working to address this issue, to prevent it, to prosecute such pe- uh, people who traffic others, and also rehabilitation. Just seek out. 
don't be scared. I'm an immigrant and I was so scared. What would happen as an immigrant? Don't. Mm-hmm. Have faith. Take a faith. Take a leap of faith and report it. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. And let me tell you, it cannot get worse from where you are right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Well, those are all wonderful encouraging words for people to understand that the trafficker is not telling you the truth and that help can be available. And how you get there is going to depend on where you are and your path and what's around you. But this national hotline is a great one. We'll put the link in the show notes, which is the 888-3737-888. And also, to understand that within your own community, I know here we're working really hard so that all of those people understand what trafficking is. It's not up to stack to help everyone. We couldn't possibly. But the but everyone who's doing whatever they're doing at, at the Carney Center, which is our, our shelter for unhoused people, or at, at TMH, like you mentioned, the hospital, we've done training there. We do that, but then they they do their thing. They It's not... Just the other day, by the way, I have to tell you the story. We trained at the emergency medical services, and someone in the ambulance called Stack and said, I'm now transporting someone who was sex trafficked. And and that person told me when I said, I can get you help, that person said, this is the first time anyone believed me. And within one week of being trained, an ambulance worker an EMT understood this is a real thing, and that person was helped. And then they connected up with the ER staff, who likewise had been trained and was able to help. So, you know, everything you've said has been borne out in real life. In That's what, what it is. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. saying from day one, training, training, training. Well, thank you. Thank you, Samir Jane. This has been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to you for your intelligence and your expertise, your caring, your passion, and and your time. Thank you, Robin, for inviting me. And thank you for listening to me again, I would say. (laughs) And I hope it helps. It helps anybody who's listening. That's all I wish for. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening. The Imagine Freedom Podcast is a production of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center, or STAC, a coordinator and service provider for survivors of human trafficking in the greater Tallahassee area of North Florida's Big Bend. STAC provides direct assistance to sex and labor trafficking survivors, regardless of age, immigration status, sex, gender identity, or faith affiliation. STAC also provides extensive education to many in the public and private sector on how to recognize, respond, and prevent all forms of human trafficking. STAC is a referral agency for the National Human Trafficking Hotline. The only way we can do this work is with your help. Go to surviveandthriveadvocacy.org for more information about the many programs and services STAC offers and to support STAC's work with your gift today. This podcast is recorded and produced at Fiore Communications in Tallahassee.